Hello, and welcome to the Um Beyond Mindset podcast. I'm your host, Marisol Uribe. And today I have a special guest on the show. His name is Jerome Maldonado. He is well-versed when it comes to real estate, investing, developments in the multifamily space, especially, but everywhere in between. Um, to prepare for this interview, I listened to Brad Lee's episode uh, 393 back in 2021 and go heavy presentation in January of this year, 2023. So Jerome, uh, you just have a great, great vast experience with both, you know, economics and different businesses. And I love how, and Jeffrey talked about this too at Go Heavy, how you're very well integrated with your family. So can you tell me a little bit about that? What did our viewers miss right now with this intro? I'm really happy to have you. Thank you for your time. Buddy Sword, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we've, we got started in the world of entrepreneurship, which as a black sheep back in the 90s, uh, when entrepreneurship wasn't as uh, sexy as it is today. Um, so we we kind of rode the roller coaster of ups and downs back in the in the early 90s and ultimately um, landed up in the in the world of construction and real estate development, which has taken the predominance of our professional career. But. Um, but, but to your point earlier, we've been blessed in the fact that we've had so much diversification in the business world from owning restaurants and marketing companies and sales companies, um, construction companies and um, dance schools. And we've had a lot of we've had a, we've had the uh, fortunate opportunity to own a lot of different stuff. And it's been a great it's been a great ride. And um, our, my family has been a big part of it. Uh, my wife, my kids. And so that, you know, um, integrating all of that in together is always a juggling act and a balancing act. But yes, you know, it uh, it all kind of rolls hand in hand when you kind of build all of it together. So very gracious and happy to be where we're at right now. Amazing. So tell me a little bit about how you leave the home before you start your work day. Like, what is an impression that you want to set what do you want to inculcate to your kids? That sort of thing. Um, so the way, you know, the, every day starts off. Well, I'll never leave the house without saying good morning to my kids. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm around the house a little bit longer in the mornings now than I used to be. Um, when they were babies, I was always around the house with them when, um, to go play soccer. And I, I always made it a point before I left the house, you know, I said, you know, if I can't give my kids 30 minutes, of time to go play soccer or throw the ball or something in the mornings, um, then what am I doing? Right. And so I used to get my son up, my yeah. daughter, we used to do little things. Um, and it's that small connection for like 15, 20, 30 minutes that makes a, a big um, impression in their lives. And so still to this day, like even Valentine's day, I had, um, I had bought some stuff the night before uh, for Valentine's day that I kept in my, in my truck um, so that, that way I could surprise them the next morning. And I left just to go grab it. And my daughter told my wife, she's like, where's daddy? He never leaves the house without saying um, goodbye. She was, she was genuinely like, Mom, yeah, oh yeah. And um, then I walked back in and I said, I'll never leave the house without saying goodbye to you, baby girl, you know? And so even if I travel or if I do something, I just make it a point to always make sure I always say goodnight, good morning. Um, you know, try to get them on. If I'm out of town, I try to get them on camera 
And so in, in spite of them feeling like you're bothering them, they recognize it, you know, um, they do recognize it. Even her Christmas card, I, I, I put it away this weekend and it was cute because it said, you know, daddy, even though you bug me most of the time, you, you always make me smile when, uh, you always make me smile when, uh, when I'm sad and you always are there, um, when something's not going right and, you know, they just recognize that stuff. So it doesn't matter. You're still, you still bug, you still bother, you, you know, um, but you're, but as long as you're present, you know, I think that is more than anything, what's most important. Speaking of Christmas cards, I feel like handwritten cards are seen less and less these days. Have you seen those automated cards where there's, um, you could tell it's printed, but it, it's trying to portray a written like handwritten. Yeah, we, we'll get those for the company. Um, we get a lot of those for uh, from our vendors and suppliers and stuff uh, nowadays that are just uh, pre-printed um, cursive, but um, mm-hmm. well, we still use the handwritten cards in our house. So. Good. <laughs> Good. That's amazing, Jerome. Well, thanks for prefacing with that. I think family is very important as well. Um, If you haven't already known, and this is the first time I present this on the show, um, Josue and I, my brother, we have created a foundation in memory of my late brother, Edgar Juel Uribe. And he passed away last September and in case you don't have a favorite charity already, I wanted to put that uh, top of mind for you because, um, you know, if everyone, you know, hopefully does well, if you're watching this in your industry and you want to do almsgiving this Lent, I know um, I'm Catholic. You were raised Catholic as well. I, Are I you was, still yeah, we practicing? We still practice Catholic and we're still, and um, we went to Catholic school. In fact, my son's going to be going to Catholic high school here this next year. So, yeah, we're still practicing living Catholics. Good. Nice. So, yeah, that's my background as well. This memorial scholarship actually changed my life, too. That was awarded to me in high school. Um, and it was off to pursue nursing. So that's kind of my niche. My parents got into real estate. So I got some of that, too. Um, but, you know, I keep bumping into you at these events driven with Albert Preciado lately go heavy with Jeffrey Pinson and I'm like I'm so ready to talk to Jerome now <laughs> how could Josue meet you and have some one-on-one but not me <laughs> <laughs> so now you've kind of met you know the bulk of of our family so I'm, I'm happy about that yeah, um so yeah what we want to do his images over here let me share this is when we went to Sacramento. Yeah. And uh, we just, he was diagnosed with autism. So I remember your story about, you know, being labeled as dyslexic. And, you know, my mom never really took that to heart with the kids, um, with her and, and Josue. She, she kind of raised them equally. She tells me how if, you know, she would look at Edgar and, his name is also Edgar, like my boyfriend, by the way. So Andrew Joel is this eldest brother of mine. So she tells me, my mom, she would look at both of them and say, you know, Joel, you can do it. Josue, you can do it. So same thing, right, in terms of, like, empowerment. Um, but, you know, to each capabilities, right, to max out each of their capabilities, and so kind of what was the turning point for you in terms of 
mentorship at school maybe that that flipped that switch for you like no that label I'm not gonna kind of give so much attention to and I'm gonna be like a boss in my space it wasn't school school was a it was um was a hindrance um, in regards to that. In fact, even in a Catholic uh, school, the priests and the, uh, the principals that were nuns were the hardest and probably the most difficult to deal with. Um, you know, and yeah. so it was really in the house where my mom uh, really was that driving force. It sounds like your mom was very similar with your brothers, uh, but my mom was that driving force. And so it was uh, her that always uh, kept things um, in in check with reality um, in regards to what our, our worth was um, in spite of what we got labeled at at school. Not, I shouldn't say we, in spite of what I did. And I was, I was dyslexic, but not diagnosed as a kid as dyslexic. I went in college, my senior year in college, I went, um, and this was after an entrepreneurial journey. Cause I, I took, I did four years of college and um, left my fourth year in college um, to pursue direct sales and multi-level marketing which I was a part of for almost five years. And then um, when the company got shut down in 97, I uh, went back to school to finish my last year. I was different mentally at that point in time in my, in my life. Um, I had had success financially. I'd become a top money earner in spite of struggling the first two years in the business. Um, I became a trainer with the company. Um, that, that in itself um, pivoted my mindset. So when I went back to school, I just thought, well, I want to know what it is that prevents me from being able to read as fast as others. I know that there's something. So I went and got tested and I, and um, lo and behold, March of my senior year, right before I graduated in May, I got, uh, they, they clinically um, diagnosed me with dyslexia and, um, and told me that I could take um, additional time on my exams. I didn't need additional time on my exams. I was done with school. So you know, we were, we were done, but it was my mom in the house at the early age that really pushed and, um, and advocated against the teachers, against the principals and for, uh, myself and, uh, put me in tutoring, helped me um, through stuff. And it was always that driving force in my mom that, that made me want to push to do more. And I knew I had the ability to do so. So that's always in the back of my mind was what would always push me because my mom always believed in that we could. And I think all it takes is that one person that really believes and instills something in you. Um, sometimes it doesn't take a lot of people around you. It just takes that one person. And, and in my life, it was my mom at an early age. And then that separated once I migrated into college and, and other stuff. And I've had a, a variety of mentors and, and uh, people that I have uh, clinged to over the course of time that have helped me in little pieces of my life um, to get me to where I'm at today. Excellent. Excellent. I love that it was your mom for you. Maybe you're watching and it could be Jerome for you, right? This, this could be your virtual mentor. And then one, at one point with all those events, you could meet him as well and kind of get it to his, his world as well. So that's definitely attainable. So I want to ask, what has been your greatest challenge after that? Do you think, because having a private school like that 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 label would have been given to you maybe you know anyway it just so happens that we have so much one-on-one attention sometimes in these private schools that maybe you know they caught it sooner or like what has been another challenge maybe not so great hope i'm wondering if if you got the mindset of okay, yeah, if I'm done with school, I just totally pivot and, and I'm taking the charge after that, right? 
So tell me more about, about the mindsets and how, how just you've become this boss that you are. Um, yeah. So I think life, life, I don't know if you look at life as a challenge or an opportunity, right? So I think behind every, every challenge is really an opportunity. It really goes to how you perceive things, right? So I think everything yes. in life, there's a, there's a challenge, but is it really a challenge or is it an opportunity to move towards greatness? Because when you're doing, when you're going on uncharted territory, which for a lot of us, um, for all of us really that are migrating to areas that we've never migrated to, there's going to be unforeseen circumstances, right? So it's kind of like going into the jungle without a roadmap on how to get back, but it's, but you know, there's an end, you, you know, you know, there's an end. You just don't know where that end is. You just don't know how you're going to get there, but you know that through the way you're going to be led and you're going to uh, find the way to get through as long as, and I've always said, as long as God gives you health, um, you'll, you'll succeed as long as you are action driven, right? So you have to be taking action. You can't say, Hey God, sit, you can't sit on a chair and say, Hey God, get me to the end result. And, um, and think that that's going to happen because it won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at challenges as opportunities. Um, I think my life has been filled with challenges, um, hence opportunities, and it's how you embrace them. Um, they're learning. Um, challenges are, are your opportunity to learn. Um, when you embrace those opportunities to learn, those challenges get squashed, and what you once thought was a challenge was actually really nothing big at all. Um, and that's almost everything in life. It doesn't matter how challenging you might think it is. Um, there's answers behind it because if there's other people that are already doing it or have done it and have already proven that it's doable, um, and sustainable, um, there's, God didn't make any one of us different. So we just, uh, migrate to whatever the threshold of what we can comprehend mentally. And some, and that's the big break point is the mental, um, the mental mindset of most people that gets limited because they don't believe they, they have the attainability to get someplace and they do. Um, but they have to overcome it and understand that there's going to be some some resistance along the way. Um, but if they embrace that resistance, they will learn and they will get through it and they will succeed. Um, and I know for a lot of people, they don't see it that way because they've never went up that road. And unless you embrace that road and you go up that road, you'll never see it that way. So I always tell people, you have to move. You have to be you have to be migrating forward in order to uh, to do um, to embrace your challenges and to get to the end result. Brilliant. And I love how you pivoted that word. And I wrote it in the same line, challenges dash opportunity. And and I didn't even need a segue. I mean, you just pivoted. So that's perfect. Jerome has worked with top names, uh, more well-known names that have marketed their brand uh, early um, that I know of. I ran into Jerome later, but he's worked with Tyree Lopez, uh, the real Brad Lee. So and I'm not talking about like, hey, just an introduction. I'm talking about, do you want to work with me? Like that sort of deal. So, and, you know, Alex Mayer, brilliant individual, right? And so out of all these connections that you've made in all these events that you attend, what kind of makes you really at their service, right? Because there's these people who, who keep attending um, seminar junkies. And they don't really make the move that can pivot their their life forever, right? They don't really introduce themselves. They don't expose their product or service. So what would you tell these people um, when they're in a situation that they could fully take advantage of? Yeah. Um, 
but there has you been. have to present yourself in a fashion where you have something all of us have talent in, um, in one right in one right or another and so you just have it sometimes we don't even know what that message or what that talent is um, but there's deliverables that you can give to people so when when I I was already in my 40s when I first started doing the social media game back in, uh, in, in 2017, 18. And one of the biggest things is I told myself I didn't have time to be moonlighting with um, with conferences and traveling and doing stuff because it was taken away from my family. So I had to make my time very productive. And I think so many times people don't respect the one asset that is the number one asset in their life, and that's time. Um, you got to take your time and really respect it and utilize it wholeheartedly. And so I was very intentional about what I was doing um, at the time that I started. So when I started, um, when I started initiating relationships with people like Ty and Bradley and Grant Cardone and all these guys, um, you know, I knew I was one of them. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't looking for their affirmation. Um, I, I had already worked a professional career. I had made millions of dollars in my own businesses. Um, and I felt like it, I, the only separation between me and them was the fact that they had been on the internet longer, but in, on a professional basis, I didn't feel that we were any different and I still don't today. Um, you know, and so I think people get, um, they get, um, starstruck by people that have uh, been in front of the spotlight a little bit. I don't. I know that we all bleed and, and talk the same. And I've, I've been around a lot of successful people that um, pose to be more than human to me at uh, certain points in time. And so it's humbled. Um, it's humbled my respect for them over the course of time. And I know that all these people are the exact same way. Uh, when they go to bed, they have their own issues. They have their own setbacks, their own limitations, their own everything that we all have. Um, in spite of their success, in spite of what, what uh, is seen on the camera. So when I go to them and I'm working with them, one, I know that I'm bringing something to the table that they need. Sometimes I don't know what that is, but I'm willing to go in and, and give of myself for nothing in order to create a relationship so that there's value taken there. And then once they understand the value that you bring to them, um, they're going to embrace it. And so I just might happen to come through the means of my professional career, which is in, was in the real estate um, and real estate development sector, um, which really benefited them in areas that they were missing knowledge in. They may have been great online marketers, but they didn't know about real estate, real estate investing and stuff in stuff in that regard. So I was able to go in and really put my expertise to work and and bring them deliverables that they couldn't do without my expertise or at least without somebody with my expertise, right? So, yeah, yeah. So I, I just what sets you apart? Yeah, go ahead. What sets you apart? What sets me apart? Um, everything. People are lazy. Um, that's what sets me apart. Um, you got to be consistent, and you, and you got to be, um, you got to be consistent, and you got to, um, and you got to be consistent over the course of time. That's um, and, and for me, that's what sets that's what sets all the great people aside. Because people can be great, but very few can be great for a long time. Um, because being great for a long time is a lot of work. And being great for a long time takes mental strength, physical strength. And it does take, uh, it takes endurance um, through every aspect of your life. And most people can do it for a short period of time, but they get distracted um, by many things in life. They get distracted by life's problems. They get the shiny object syndrome. They get um, distracted by the money um, and things. Uh, by the fame, whatever it is. So I just know that athletes, 
um, entrepreneurs, business people, if they can stay focused and consistent for the long term, they'll always win. Like there, there's no doubt about it. And I tell my kids this with sports. I tell them, I, I tell them, just keep your head down, just stay focused. Don't worry about all the noise behind you. Don't worry about the politics that go on with parents and children. And don't worry about um, about any of that garbage. Just stay consistent because over time, if you just keep showing up, you keep showing up. You're consistent. You're great at what you do. You're consistent. You're going to beat out anybody around you because there is so many other variables in life. That if you can beat those variables with consistency over the course of a long period of time, you'll always win. So what separates me from other people is that aspect right there is that I just know that I just have to keep showing up and I just always show up. And I always say, as long as God gives me help, I'll continue showing up. And um, even if I suck really bad at something, just because I show up, I'll get it before somebody else. And that's really that's really the only thing that separates me from anybody else is that one thing right there. That's great, Jerome. And speaking of health, I know you advocate for getting your own hour at the gym, right? And being whole and complete first before showing up to your family. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. What is What do you do in, that's in your control to stay healthy? Um, yeah, I, I even mentioned that to my wife when we first started dating years ago. I said, you know, the only thing I ask for for myself is that one hour of gym time um, each day. And, and my feeling is if if you can't mentally decompress and you can't give to yourself at least an hour every day, you, you really can't give back to other people. Um, you, you really got to advocate for yourself first um, because when you have a healthy mind and a clear mind, you're a better person as a whole. And so one thing that I always tell people is that that, that one hour for me is what makes it. Now, it might not be gym time for, for somebody. It might be reading a book. It might be taking a walk. It might be um, going out to lunch for my wife, it's watching a television program that just lets her mentally decompress, um, something that's fun in her mind that she watches. So each to each their own, but you have to be able to know what that is. And you have to be able to give to yourself that time that you need to mentally decompress. And for me, it's going to the gym for an hour. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel healthy. It helps me mentally, physically. And if I can't at least do that one thing for myself, I know that I'm blessed I'm less the person that I could be if I at least gave myself that one hour. So that one hour to me makes me a better dad, a better husband, a better um, boss, a better whatever it is. It makes me a better whatever Jerome needs to be in that moment. Awesome. Self-care, everybody. So this is my book, Beyond Mindset Health. If you have anyone in your family with diabetes or if they just don't have the same mindset you as you, reach out to me and I will ship you the book. Okay. I'd love to do that. Um, so pretty much we talked mindset, we talked familial relationships, we talked some business. So if people are new to you, how would you summarize your business model? What separates you apart in terms of that company structure and how can people find you? Sure. So I'm I'm in the real estate development game. I um, do a lot of multifamily ground up build and hold right now. We've been in the uh, in the real estate development. We've been in the real estate game for a long time, from retail to single family residential. Um, we have a lot of diversification. I think our, my biggest separation is that there's real estate investors, and that's what they do. There's contractors, and that's what they do. There's developers, and that's what they do. Um, there's real estate agents and brokers, and that's what they do. 
um, over the course of our professional career, what separates me is I've been able to wear all of those hats under the same um, regards for multiple businesses that we still own today. And from that experience, we've um, been able to niche the real estate development sector in a way where we've been able to maximize profits. Um, it's where we've been able to have our financial glory because of uh, because of the long term um, consistency of all of those companies. And um, and so that's really where our um, that's where people, I guess, our quote unquote label, right? Like our life label is like real estate, real estate developer. Um, I consider myself just a regular business entrepreneur in multiple regards, but um, people label me as a real estate professional. Um, real easy to find. My name is in the, the bottom of the cliff notes here. Um, Jerome Maldonado. I'm on all social media platforms. You can just Google me and uh, we'll come up. Uh, you know, we've we've been in the game for a little while. And so we uh, we're separated by, again, long term, consistent efforts since the late 90s. So we've been here and we've been in the game for a long time. And those of you guys interested in learning what we do, we even have an educational platform in the same regards. Brilliant. Brilliant. So everyone listening, check out the link in the description of the show. And to wrap up, my final question is, what does having that billion-dollar mindset mean to you? Um, So the billion-dollar mindset, I guess what that means to me is I don't really – label it in regards to money anymore. Um, I, I call it the million, the billion dollar mindset means less about money and more about an abundance of mind. Because like I tell my kids, 80% of success in their sports, their athleticism and everything that they're doing doesn't have to do with what they do on the field. It's what they do right up here. And so in order to, uh, it's, it's harder to attain a billion dollar mindset than it is to achieve a billion dollar business. And so, um, so going out in, uh, in, in self-education and um, washing out all the garbage that we've heard from social media, from not social media, from mainstream media, um, television, news, teachers, parents, everything in life is probably one of the hardest things. So being able to clean all that out and have a mindset of abundance, like all the greatest, the, the greatest of the greatest entrepreneurs that we know in our, in our great country. Um, I think it's more of a, just the cleanliness of having, that abundance mindset more so than it has to do with monetary finances. Amazing. Amazing. So my vision for Unbiyan is to put it on stage as well. So we'll definitely keep in touch, Jerome, so my uh, audience can see you in person. Uh, But for now, we're signing off. Thank you so much for your time. And that's it, everyone. Follow the show. Follow Jerome. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Marisol.